God is good. All the time. God, we thank you that you call us to places of joy and that you give us that opportunity to take what's inside and let it out. To name it. To say you are our God. And you're not just God, you are the enough God. You're a gracious God. You're a deep God. You're a caring God. You're a live God. You're an embracing God. You're an empowering God. You're an encouraging God. You're a hopeful God. You are a God who frees us and releases us and calls us to do your work in mighty and powerful ways. And sometimes, God, we just can't contain it. We can no longer be silent because if we remain silent, the rocks will cry out. So take us to the place, God, that you dream for us. Hold us in that place that you hold for us. We're in your presence. Teach us, lead us, love us. Amen. Today we will go to all those places. We will go from the valley to the mountain. We'll go from quiet places to those places of celebration and praise. And uh, I want to take a moment to thank our music department for their special commitment today. The handbells the Gospel Ensemble, the Sanctuary Choir, and the Anointing have agreed to be here today for both services that we can really have this range of experience today. And that is a major commitment. And you'll want to stay to the end. Uh, We have some quiet moments coming, but we're going to send you out with a lot of praise and celebrating God's goodness. But thanks to each of you for your extra commitment today. Silence. It's one of God's greatest gifts. It's in silence that oftentimes we hear God's voice in a way that we can't hear through the noise. It's often in those silent moments that we look down and see that hand next to ours and realize that that hand and that heart is calling us, and in silence we fall in love. Silence. It's a place of peace, a place of rest. Silence. In that place we often discover our hope. Silence, God's gift. And yet again, silence, which is God's gift, can become a curse. Silence becomes a curse when it becomes our safety zone from taking on the systems that hold us back. Silence becomes a curse when someone says to us, shut up. Silence becomes a curse when we're silenced. Silence becomes a curse when We no longer challenge the obstacles in our lives. And silence becomes a curse 
when we no longer use our voice and our lives to bear witness. I was struck by the use of silence in the movie Brokeback Mountain. In fact, the silence goes on so long as that movie begins that I found myself wondering, when's someone going to say something? The movie begins with these beautiful mountains, and yet it seemed to me like those mountains were ready to explode. It seemed to me like, like they were holding something, maybe pain, maybe isolation, maybe fear. In some ways, it is a movie about the curse of silence. The character that most embodies this silence is Ennis. Something in him had so wounded him that it seemed he could no longer speak. He, he couldn't speak his dreams, his, his, his dreams of relationship and love and possibilities. His dreams of what could be. Then his wife, Alma, when she discovers Ennis' relationship with Jack, she watches them drive off. Then she sits there at her table, and she cannot speak what she feels. Her pain comes out in tears. It's not until after their divorce that she finally speaks the truth that ate away at their marriage. Silence. It seems that back in the early days of the AIDS crisis, they had it right when they said, silence equals death. Yet witness, witness equals life. If we name our fears, we can overcome them. If we name our dreams, we can live them. If we bear witness to the goodness and grace of God, all the obstacles will come falling down and we can live God's fullest dreams for us. If we live in the curse of silence, we will live on Brokeback. But when we live God's witness from the inside out and bear it out, we can experience the broke back breakthrough. In our gospel lesson today, we see that it's not just Jack and Ennis and Alma and Lorraine that live on broke back. Jesus also had his broke back times. And they happen many times throughout Scripture. There's that moment when he's holding the cup that he doesn't want to hold. And he sees where his life is heading. And he says... Father, let this cup pass from me. God, take this away. But he must drink it. He must live through his broke back. And during Lent, we particularly remember the 40 days that Jesus spent in the wilderness. And in fact, this desert place here is part of our remembrance of that journey. Jesus spent 40 days on broke back in the wilderness challenged by Satan on every side. Jesus was 
without food for 40 days. And so he had a hunger he could not speak. Jesus was stripped of all his resources. Jesus was stripped of control. During those 40 days, Jesus wrestled with all that would hold him down in his life. And our scripture today shows Jesus towards the end of that struggle. When Satan comes to Jesus and tempts him with food, tempts him with control, and most of all says, if you follow me, I'll get you off Brokeback Mountain. I'll get you out of your desert. At this point, Jesus found the resources within himself to no longer be silent to the temptation and the threats and the obstacles in his life. And in fact, Jesus says, go away, Satan. I know who I am and I know who God's called me to be. Go away. Jesus had that capacity to name the obstacle in his life and in so doing to see that obstacle removed. One way to get off broke back is to bear witness to the power inside us to overcome the obstacles that threaten us. Jesus modeled that and we can live it. So what are the broke back places in your life today? The places that need to be named. Maybe your relationship has become a little stagnant. And one of the two of you needs to have the courage to say, I love you, yet something's off here. It's scary to do that. It, it, it's easier to, to just let it sort of sit there and hope that it will change by itself. It's not easy to care front and say, I love you enough to risk possible rejection. I love you enough to make this work. I love you enough to bear witness to what our relationship can be. We know our broke back places, the places where we're called to grow and stretch. Bear witness and find your strength. There's also the upside to witness. And that's where we bear witness to God's goodness and grace and possibilities in our lives. The Gospel Ensemble modeled that for us a few moments ago. Those places where we name our joy. But the other way to get off a broke back mountain in our own lives, the way to move past those broke back places is to bear witness to God and to bear witness to good. And while our first scripture, while our Gospel lesson shows us how Jesus moved past Brokeback Mountain, our scripture today from Jude shows us how to live off a Brokeback Mountain and to live with positivity and strength every day of our lives. I'd like to have a little different translation of this wonderful scripture from Jude. And Tracy, if you could share that with us. This is the message translation. Dear friends, carefully build yourselves up in this most holy faith by praying in the Holy Spirit staying right at the center of God's love, keeping your arms open and outstretched, ready for the mercy of Jesus Christ. This is the unending life, the real life. Build yourself up, stay at the center, 
open your arms. Three ways to bear witness to the goodness of God in our life and to keep building that witness in a powerful, powerful way. Build yourself up through that constant prayer, that presence of the Holy Spirit. Stay centered in that love and open your arms to God's mercy. Three powerful ways to bear witness moment by moment to God's grace and God's goodness. There is so much that that tries to pull us away from that center. There's so much that tries to pull us away from that love. We're called to go back there every moment we find ourselves pulled away, distracted, wounded, hurt. There's amazing grace there. Take a moment right now to imagine what you want your life to be. Now, your life may already have a lot of wonderful elements to it, a lot of beautiful things in your life. You may have a great job. You may have a great family, a great home. But, but, but imagine what the next level might look like for you. Take just a moment to do that. Maybe take a moment and, and imagine what you dream for our church. Maybe take a moment and visualize every seat full at 9 a.m. Imagine fullness in your life. Bear witness to that in your own thoughts. And with that image in mind, now hear these words from Ayanla Van Zandt. <clears throat> One spiritual teacher said, no matter what you can ask for, it is only a microscopic view of what God wants to give you. Another wise teacher said, rather than asking for the conditional need in the now, ask for the continuous flow in forever. I had never thought about it in that way. Ashamed as I may be to admit it, I have usually begged and pleaded with God to get me out of this or that situation. I had never asked to be kept out of all bad situations. Now, here's the key. Rather than telling God what you want, ask God to show you what is in store for you, and then ask for guidance in developing in yourself whatever qualities and characteristics will be necessary to make God's vision of you and for you your reality. Whatever you imagined moments ago, is just a microscopic view of what God dreams for you and wants for you. God loves us that much. How amazing is that? Bearing witness, knocking down the obstacles, and then embracing the powerful good that God has for us. I have a vision that resurrection will be a place where broke back stories are turned into breakthroughs. And the good news is we've already seen that modeled in a number of stories. I want to see more and more of those stories happening, lives changing, lives empowered. But one person that's been an inspiration to me for my entire ministry here, almost 10 years, has been Phyllis Moore. And uh, 
Phyllis is being called to Georgia after being at resurrection for how many years now? 20 years? You've been with us for 20 years and she is being called uh, to Georgia to be with her family and we're going to miss you so much. But as I was preparing today's message and thinking about the power of bearing witness in our lives, I thought of the witness that you've been and you shared some of your story with me just a few days ago how you were at a broke back mountain place in your life and how resurrection played a big part in taking you off broke back and if you could just share a little bit of what God has on your heart okay this uh, is actually my goodbye to this congregation um, I, there's more to my story than I've shared with Dwayne, and it's all about music, and it's all about testimony, and it's all about not being silent. Those of you who know me know I don't ever hesitate to speak my mind, <laughs> whether, whether you agree with me or not, or I agree with you or not. Um, I was called to ministry when I was 12 through the music program of a Presbyterian church. When I came to Houston to go to college, I went to a Presbyterian church and was confronted with so much hypocrisy that I stopped going to church. I went to a Unitarian church. Again, I was faced with hypocrisy. I stopped going to a Unitarian church. I actually stopped going to church. And I fell into my addictions, um, sex, drugs, and disco, for many years. And left Houston for a couple of years, came back, and my ex-husband, who was an active member of Resurrection at that time, had recommended that John Gill hire me as the church secretary because I was out of work, I was homeless, uh, living with a member of this church whom I'd known for years. And I came to this church in 86, and was working as the church secretary um, and was asked to sing in the Christmas pageant that year, which I did, and it's the music that brought me back to church. Um, I stayed because the music has always been the feeding for my soul. And uh, today is a very appropriate day for me to tell you and everyone in the music program just how much I love you and respect you and how much you've meant to me over the years. Because I've not found hypocrisy in this religion, in this, this denomination. I've served as an, a lay delegate to the international conferences. And the people who work in this church are so dedicated. And I was trying to think last night exactly what I wanted to say to you this morning. And what it boils down to is rewards. You get so much reward for participation. If you sit in a pew and listen to a sermon, you can learn a lesson. But if you go to a choir practice or attend a committee meeting or go to a Sunday school class, help out with the children, that's where the blessings are, is in participation. And I just thank you for the opportunity to have participated for all these years. And I'm going to miss everyone a lot. And I'll say aloha, which means till we meet again. Thank you. Thank you, Phyllis.
why you gave this back to me. I just want to thank you. Just had one, one more question for you. Your witness is so powerful, and that's what we're called to do, is to bear witness and to speak truth in our lives. But just very simply, where do you think you would be if God had not brought you to resurrection? It's very difficult to say. Um, probably on the street, a bag lady. I went to Mardi Gras one year dressed as a bag lady, as my costume, with gay friends, and got separated from them, and I was a very authentic bag lady, to the point that they wouldn't let me in the bars looking for my friends. (laughs) Well, I'm sure I would have found a ministry somewhere, but resurrection has been for me the, the place and has such an important part in my life. I was born into the Syrian Orthodox Church and went to a family reunion in September and attended service at the, at the uh, Orthodox Church in Charleston, West Virginia, where I was born, and it's not the same. It's not the same. People don't know each other. They don't. I mean, it's all very formal. They don't stand up and praise God. And the music is all very straightforward. It's not what we see today. We're so blessed in this church. Thank you. Phyllis, when you came to this place, you entered a place of grace, not a place of disgrace. And my prayer is that every person who enters these doors will enter such a place. Not a place of disgrace, but a place of amazing grace. Not a place of condemnation, but a place of communication. Not a place of fear, but a place of courage. Not a place of hopelessness, but a place of hope. Not a place of exclusion, but a place of inclusion. Not a place of curse, but a place of blessing. Not a place of silence, in the wrong sense of the word, but a place of powerful witness. A witness strong enough to overcome the obstacles in our lives. And a witness powerful enough to give glory to the God who created us and calls us to everlasting, powerful life. Life beyond broke back. If you're comfortable, take the hand of someone near God. We'll go to our God in prayer. God of grace and God of hope and God of mercy and God of life. God who calls us off the broke back places into the breakthrough places. We give you thanks today for the capacity you've given each one of us to bear witness to you and to bear witness to your goodness. Work in our hearts today. Work in our lives. And give us that persevering courage to live the vision that you hold for us. Jesus Christ, giver of grace, have mercy on us as individuals. Jesus Christ, giver of grace, have mercy on this your church. Jesus Christ, giver of grace, have mercy on your world. And hear the prayers of your people who pray. Amen.